Today in our series on Galatians, we're moving into chapter 2. So let me encourage you to read all of chapter 2. And the central, and the central question of chapter 2 is what happens when friends fight? What happens when friends fight? When people who should get along don't? You know, we have songs that tell us what happens when doves cry. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but didn't know doves were so emotional. But the song is supposed to be about how hard it is for people in love to get along. And in chapter 2, we have one of the most famous conflicts in the history of the church. It's the dispute between Peter and Paul in Antioch. And so what I want to do today is just set up some of the questions that will shape how we unpack this section. And this dispute in Antioch was very important to the church fathers. It's very interesting. John Chrysostom. St. Augustine, the church fathers were very nervous about this passage. They were embarrassed by it. Non-Christians who would attack the church would use this. This was like red meat to them. They would seize on this passage and talk about how absurd it is and how ridiculous. How could you be a part of an organizing body where the two most prominent members can't even get along? So the church fathers were very nervous, very worried, very disturbed by this. But interesting enough, the Reformers loved it. This is one of their most favorite sections of Scripture. They believed it showed. See, you have Peter. Peter gets out of line, then Paul will put him in his place. And when Peter, like the Roman Catholic Church, gets out of line, God will send Pauls, like the Reformers, to put him in their place. So here we have two friends, two colleagues, two co-workers, two pillars of the church, Peter, Paul, in, in a dispute that was absolutely formative for the early church. So as we go through this, spend some time reading through the chapter, and a couple things I want you to think about, some questions you'll have to wrestle with. And one of the first questions is go to the end. Remember, one of the best ways to read Paul is go to the end. That's the answer. And then work backwards. So you go to verse 19 and 20. 
For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Those are the key verses for this section. That's the summary. That's what everything is pointing towards. So some questions we have to ask. What does Paul mean when he say, I've died to the law in order to live to God? That would have been one of the most astonishing, shocking statements to all of his Jewish contemporaries. It would have been shocking to Paul just years before. What does he mean? Because in their mind, the way you live to God is by living the law. The way you live to God is by loving the law. Hasn't he read Psalm 119? That's the whole point. So what does he mean? So they would have heard that similar to like if you speak to someone who's a health nut and say, the way I live for my health is by eating cheeseburgers five times a day. That would have been shocking. There would be incongruity there. You would think, hmm, something, either this person is just wacky or something very strange is going on here. Maybe there's a beauty to cheeseburgers I've never recognized before. So as you work through this chapter, a couple things to note. Notice how Paul begins with their initial agreement in Jerusalem. And he shows that the issue of circumcision, that's the key issue. So you have to ask, all right, why is that so central? But that is one of the elements of their freedom in Christ in 2.4. That's central. What does this freedom mean? He says they have freedom in Christ, and what does it mean? What does it entail? One of the things we'll see him arguing is that the differences between the Jews and the Gentiles, they were massive, but they have all been relativized through their common allegiance to Christ. And so what we'll find is that what matters to Paul here is not the formation of a Gentile church alongside the formation of a Jewish church that were independent of one another. That is not how they were going to solve these differences. They must be inter dependent. That's from the key line of verse 9. They extend the right hand of fellowship. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that look like for us now? With so many denominations and different churches, what does an interdependence look like? What does freedom for those congregations look like? Then you see here there are two great missions, one to the circumcised, one to the uncircumcised. Very clear sense of distinction. But they're not to be in, independent, they're to be interdependent. So what does that mean? What's the meaning of freedom? Another thing is, what does he mean by using the phrase, those with a reputation? Four times in the first ten verses, Paul uses that phrase. Verse 2, twice in 6, and verse 9. What does he mean by those with a reputation? And here the key question is, how do you make sense of our worldly credentials? Who gets credentialed in Christ's church? Where do they come from? Then, of course, the key line of the whole book is found here. I think verse 14 is the key line of the book. When he confronts Peter, it's because he was not walking in line with the gospel. The whole point of this book is how we can align every aspect of our life with the gospel. That's what it's meant to do. And sometimes that alignment challenging. It can be difficult. On our last road trip, we had some tire issues, and it turned out that one of the tires had a big knot in it, and the alignment got knocked off. 
pretty jarring to drive a vehicle when the alignment's not off, when the alignment's off. And what Paul's saying is you have to align your life. It has to be in line with the gospel. So take some time this week and read through chapter 2. What stands out to you? How do we build to that climactic line that I have been crucified with Christ? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith, living in line with the gospel. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and 